Join us now, ladies and gentlemen. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Tokyo on Fire. Today is our first episode of Inside Baseball. Inside Baseball, as you might know, is our episode where we delve deeply into a contemporary political issue that has implications for a lot of different things. I'm joined once again by Michael Chuchek. It's great to be back. Michael, we just got off of Golden Week. Five days of basically complete bliss throughout the Japanese nation. One of those days, the reason why we could have a kind of golden week was because of Constitution Day. Constitution Day, May 3rd, when normally there's some kind of commemorative events and there are lots of different uh, essays and such that are printed. However, this was a big anniversary. 70 years. This was the 70th anniversary and everybody had geared up for it and, and put together special uh, collections of articles, disputes between various scholars, and then Somebody decided to just drop a bomb on us. So what did that warmongering prime minister say? Oh, yeah, that's probably the way it was played in certain parts of the world. Anyway, Mr. Abe, our prime minister, decided uh, that this would be a great time to touch his base. His, his pet project. His, his pet project, but also his most fervent and uh, loyal supporters in the organization that we've discussed before, the Nippon Kaigi. One of the foundations of the LDP. Well, foundations of the LDP in this case, but it's one of the major support groups for Mr. Abe personally. And in this case, we had the 70th anniversary and he decided to, he's done this before, but have a video message to this extremely hardline revisionist right-wing organization. He talked to the people. He talked to his people, let's put it that way. And he put forward a proposition that he would like to have constitutional revision and for the first time, he put a date. He said, 2020, let's get it done in time for the Olympics. Mm -hmm. Goodness gracious, everything now has to be done in time for the Olympics. We have the the, uh, law that's supposed to be on conspiracy or whatever they want to call it, Mm anti-terrorism. Everything's for the Olympics. He tosses in to the ring by 2020, constitutional revision. Right. And it's constitutional revision on two points that are really kind of odd. Uh, The first one is that he wants to codify in a third article, a third uh, paragraph to Article 9, that despite there being the war renouncing and the war material renouncing sections of Article 9, there will be a third one saying that the self-defense forces exist. They're okay. They're okay, and that that is going to be one of, the, and that's the only one that anyone cares about. The other revision is sort of is, is less of lesser interest. Everybody's glommed on to this concept of whether there needs to be a third paragraph. Mm-hmm. Uh, the argument is that, well, if you ask constitutional scholars, and there was a very famous poll done when they did the security legislation back in 2014-2015, where they ask the scholars, you know, is the new legislation constitutional? Or is it in a state of unconstitutional? Well, in this case, they found that 98% of constitutional scholars, when asked, said that the new legislation that was put into place in 2015 was unconstitutional. Uh, that same poll, however, asked those same professors and, and, and scholars, is the SDF, this, are the self-defense forces, unconstitutional. And over 90% said that they were unconstitutional. And it's that second number that the LDP and Mr. Abe have glommed onto Mm -hmm. and say, you see, you see, they think it's unconstitutional. We need to make it constitutional. And that's what this 
this amendment is supposed to do. Now, it's very uncontroversial because the SDF already exists. They're one of the largest armies in the world. <laughs> yes, they're already there. It, it, it's simply putting in writing something that already exists. And so it's a very smart move. You no, know, no, absolutely. And he cleverly used timing in his favor by the North Korean threat. They've launched a couple of missiles. They failed one just two weeks ago. They shut down the subways in yeah, anticipation to, to, of that. To, to great uh, embarrassment to the subway uh, operating companies. <laughs> yeah, the, the, that's, that's... But why does he go after the most difficult one, Article 9? I mean, there are other articles that probably would give him better payback, wouldn't it? There, there are articles and, and suggestions having to do, well, many of them have come out of the Komeito uh, regarding uh, a right to a clean environment, which is a, a good third order right that's not in the original set of articles that were drafted by the U.S. occupying forces. Uh, that seemed to be the, the way to go. But suddenly he's just taken the momentum. He's really grabbed the initiative. And he's, he's staked his claim, hasn't he? Yeah, but it, he was speaking to the converted. The mm -hmm. Nippon Kaigi's basic existence is revision of the Constitution. Right. So is the LDP in its founding documents. But now that it's actually got two-thirds majorities in both houses and that can actually mm -hmm. pass something, it got cold feet and has mm -hmm. been very, very lukewarm about moving quickly to fulfill this long dream, this dream that has existed since 1955. Right. Mr. Abe has lit a fire under them, so they have to start dancing. And some members of the LDP are kind of ticked off. Mm -hmm. uh, particularly the person who is really supposed to be the point man on the Constitution, which is Funada Hajime. Now, Funada at one point had his own great ambitions to become prime minister, which he messed up with his own personal life. Uh, we don't need to go into that, but... We he, want to, but we We won't. would love to. Uh, but... Uh, it involves a, a female newscaster. We'll go, well, but we won't go there today. Uh, the issue for Funada, however, is to put his legacy into place. Because mm -hmm. he comes from a, a family that is equal to, if not greater in political uh, history than Mr. Abe's. That's saying something. Yeah, and so that he uh, wants to clarify and, and, and clean up the record so that if he has a, a son or a daughter who succeeds mm -hmm. him, that the, the legacy is not tarnished. He was supposed to be in charge, and the prime minister pipped him. Snaked him. He got him and said, here, <laughs> this is what we're going to do. Hey, you should have talked to me first. Happens all the time. Uh, and, yeah, unfortunately, that's the case. And, and Funada went public with that. Mm -hmm. And that's what's the interesting thing. He uh, wrote on his own blog, we don't want to... This, this is... He should have really... Uh, he put it very diplomatically. He should have considered talking about it more first mm -hmm. before he talked about it. Uh, and so he's sometimes prone to do that, though, isn't he? The uh, the current prime minister. Yeah, he, he shoots from the lip. And, and but this was a videotape, so he could have just said, "Well, let's not put, let's not broadcast the yeah. tape." It wasn't a live broadcast that he was doing. Be it as it may, we now have a timetable. We now have what he wants to see, and. Uh, now within the LDP, they have to accommodate what they thought was a free, they had a, a free reign to discuss what could be the first amendment to the Constitution ever. Now we have a firm, right. Mr. <clears throat> Abe wants this. Mm -hmm. 
Let me ask you a couple of questions. Sure. So the, the Constitution, in many countries, it is a living document. It is breathing. It, it changes over time. The Japanese Constitution has been untouched for 70 years. But it was written by New Deal Democrats working in the Japanese occupation forces. The forces they were, so it's the most liberal basis mm -hmm. you can really think of in terms of major uh, industrialized nations. This is, this is a document that, yes, it's 70 years old. It has not been amended or changed in any way in 70 years, but it was, it's, it's not a product like the United States is of the 17th and 18th centuries. It's a very much a very modern document. Mm -hmm. And what the Japanese state has done is grow into it mm -hmm. over time. That the possibilities that are there, the openness, the, the, the right, the, the United States Constitution does not have an equal rights amendment uh, giving women the equal rights as men. It's built into the Japanese Constitution. The United States does not, for example, uh, have anything guaranteeing economic rights or uh, the rights to a cultured life. That's all mm -hmm. inside the Japanese Constitution. It's, it's not something that necessarily is demanding, except in the case of Article 9. A, a massive revision. Okay, so let's talk about this this name, this name calling about the prime minister being a warmonger. I mean, I think people really, some people are really confused about that. They think he's a warmonger, or they think that he wants to get Japan involved in outside conflicts or with the you know their neighbors. And I don't know if that's the the right brush to paint him with. It's it's really a hard sell. It's it's, it's a the idea, of course, is to try to break down the incredible political power that both the LDP and Mr. Abe both have right now. And many people are willing to try anything. One mm -hmm. of them is this accusation that it, Mr. Abe is dragging us into war. The thing is, it's, it's not just Mr. Abe. There's a broad base within the party and even outside the party, inside the DPJ. There are defense hawks who are entirely cool with whatever Mr. Abe wants to do. Uh, and that is a particular weakness right now inside the DP. Uh, the, the Democratic Party, in fact, is, has a, a hawks versus doves conflict going on, which we like don't. Like they didn't need that. Yeah, well, yeah. This, <laughs> but that in the LDP, it's, not, it's much more suppressed. That's one aspect. Of course, it plays to certain visions outside of Japan, but then if it plays to certain audiences outside of Japan, you can be accused, quite rightly, of being acting in a, in, in a you know, hikokumin way, right. and, and not, the, not as a good citizen, mm -hmm. appealing to outsiders who are not citizens right. as your allies. And at that point, it's a very tricky way of attacking the, mm -hmm. the prime minister. Furthermore, there is a smaller group, a very small group, who says that we, what we only thing we can really do is attack him on the process. There's the people who talk about uh, constitutionality, staying within the boundaries of the procedures that have been set up over the last 70 years. Right. And mm -hmm. that's the way they, they fought the battle over the security legislation that passed in, February, in, in sorry, September of 2015. They fought all that battle on the issue of the process. And it didn't stop the LDP, and it hasn't hurt the LDP right. electorally. So the, there's great division within the opposition, and also the, it, there is a, a possibility of calling people you know, somewhat treasonous for mm -hmm. going against 
what seem to be reasonable changes, right? Or at least changes that the public can largely live with. More philosophically, though, what is wrong with the Japanese defining their future by amending their constitution? I mean, other countries do that, and if Japan wants to become more warlike, or they want to have an army that has offensive capabilities, why the hell not? Well, there's one major school is that the way that constitutional amendment happens is through Article 96, which requires two-thirds majorities in the House of Representatives, House of Counselors, and then a, a referendum. referendum for the people. Huge. Yeah. What a sizable number of legal scholars and also a lot of members of the Lawyers Association say is, let's look at the way those two bodies, the, the House of Reps and the House of Counselors, are selected. That's a deeply unfair and deeply unrepresentative method. Mm -hmm. the, the, the idea of everyone being equal before the law and everyone's votes being equal are in no way respected They're, in either house. Right. And at that point, we, so what do you may have two-thirds majorities there? Those bodies that are not representative. So if you want to say that you are acting based on the will of the voters, you are lying. Mm -hmm. Whatever the referendum might be. Right. And that's the way they argue that one. They say, look, if you have a representative body, truly representative of the voters, right. and, get, and represent- One person equals one vote. vote. One person equals one vote. Then you can start talking about, okay, we've got two thirds. Mm -hmm. But before, otherwise, you're, it's a shell game. It's a numbers game. Right. And that's the way that, that, that's the counter argument to your question. Okay. Once again, we get back to this. It's not really gerrymandering, but it's a redistricting, it's a redistribution of the voting uh, blocks that is going on in the diet right now. That's right, and they have that new map that's up there, and the new map gets right up to the constitutionality line established by the they Supreme Court. They want to do this before they hold another election. They want to do this before they hold another election, and it's it's as unfair as they can get away with. Right. Right. It's not. There's no attempt at fairness. Mm -hmm. There's no attempt at actually putting to the voters. You know, do you believe in us? And that is why this proposition that Bobby has put forward and also the way that the, the diet handles it is immediately suspect. Okay, reading the tea leaves, once again, we're gonna wrap this session up pretty quickly, but uh, doesn't it tell you that the prime minister is pretty much, he feels himself confident that he's going to be prime minister when this referendum comes up for Article 9 revision? Yeah, that he, he's going to sail through, perhaps without it's, even another vote, the September 2018 end of his second term, mm -hmm. that the third term is there and everything is set up. Yeah, it's an, a vote of extreme confidence. It's not that you heard it here first, but we're following this one. We're gonna to continue to follow it. You should stay tuned too. Hi everyone and welcome back to Tokyo on Fire. Today is May 9th, 2017. You can't talk about Japanese politics in any meaningful way unless you include the meaning of scandal and its role in Japanese politics. I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Chuchek. Michael? Yeah. Once again, scandalously joining? I'm trying to. It's spring. Spring, life springs eternal during spring and it seems like it's just the time for scandals to come up. One of the ministers of state has bit the bullet. Yep, it was amazing. We were discussing this very issue two weeks ago, and on that very day, a minister finally came down. He sure did. With, because he could not control his mouth. Now, the thing that he said, and we're talking about the Reconstruction Minister, Imamura Masahiro, was 
in retrospect, very small. It was, an, it was a, a gaffe, but it was a gaffe in the course of doing all kinds and thinking all kinds of other things. Right. And it was By the way, before you get into it, I'm glad that it's Tuesday today and not Monday. And why is that? Because I'm glad it was Tohoku and not Tokyo. Oh. Right. That's what you, you were leading into. I'm sorry, I yeah. interrupted you. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's the thing. It's the, I'm glad it, it was. It's, it's a twist of the words. And I was there. I actually joined this, this um, Hagi Muskai, this, this uh, you were, you fundraising were, yeah. meeting. And it, it came off the tip of the tongue as if it was a prepared statement. I mean, it was, it was not off the cuff. It, was, it, it flowed with the rest of his presentation. And it, the, the idea was that if you look at it from a, a very, very objective standpoint, and unfortunately we humans, we don't, is the statement that you know, it hit the Tohoku, uh, a depopulated, uh, low-technology, low-industry area of the country, was hit by this tsunami and by this earthquake. And Fukushima was a little bit somewhat different, but that also is in a largely rural environment. Imagine, yes. was his point, if it had been in the Tokyo, Nagoya, Osaka areas where the core population and industry and finance centers are. That was his, the meat, what he wanted to say. Mm -hmm. He wanted to, to set up a hypothetical, but what everybody re remembered was the way he said it. It was good that it was the Tohoku. Right. You know, that snippet went viral. Right. It well, was, well, once again, they have been watching him, they've been looking at him to see what other gaffes he's going to make. And well, he, he makes was, a lot he, of Yeah, these. he was set up because he, he, was, he had already shouted down an, a reporter who had tried to ask questions. Right. And this, the issue of reconstruction and Fukushima and refugees from the Fukushima disaster, those who are, had to move because of the radiation levels, those who had to move because they were afraid of the radiation levels in their communities, all that is very, very touchy. Yes. And he's not a touchy guy. Mm -hmm. And they were looking for something to get him, and they got him. All right, but the disaster happened six years ago. He is Minister of Reconstruction. How many Ministers of Reconstruction have they had since the disaster? A lot. Like six. And he's out, and they've got a new one in, and all of this happened within a time frame of maybe four hours? Well, it, hap it happened at the same party yes. because Abe actually repudiated his minister during that party right. when he had his own remarks. And Nikai, who was the main host, had to say his bit. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, just minutes after, the, after his gaffe right. that he was gone, mm -hmm. or at least he, he really was no longer a viable political right. entity, Mr. Imamura. But this isn't really a scandal in the context of sexual innuendo and, and touching your or, secretary and stuff like or, that. Or money with, with large right. amounts being given illegally, no. It was a, not even a slip of the tongue, it was just a twist of the words, and he was out of there. That's right, and it just shows the sensitivity of the Abe administration to this idea sure. that they don't care. No, I don't think it's that they don't care. I think it's because they're on Tinder hooks and we don't want any more screw ups. We don't want you to be sleeping with your secretary. We don't want you to be doing this. We don't want you to be doing, and if you are, watch what happened to this guy in four hours. Uh, that's, that's possibly one way of looking at it. I, I, I see it more as, 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 a, as really a reconstruction issue and that it was really for them, but maybe you're right. Certainly the, the there is a complete mismatch between the turnover in that job right. and its supposed importance. Sure. 
you're you're completely right in pointing out that mm. dis, that discrepancy. Right. Uh, if it was so important, there should be a tsar, mm-hmm. you know, right. of, of of that of that position to sit in it for years, years, and solve the problem. And how was he selected in the first place? I mean, he came from the Nikai faction, and he. I mean, that was one of the 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 distribution of of power bases that is is given by the prime minister to keep these people close to him. But I, I don't understand why he, as a personality, was selected for that yeah, particular it's, it's role. Yeah, it's really bizarre. He's, a, he's an old JR executive from Saga Prefecture, the other side of the country, which frankly doesn't care about the Tohoku. Mm-hmm. Uh, and indeed, oh, so some people died on in eastern Japan. Well, you know, that's what happens. You're, you're going to be forced to resign for saying that. I'm, uh, no, this is actually a, a quotation from uh, the, uh, Dick Samuel's research into the disaster where he actually asked someone from West, a, a, a diet member from Western Japan, he said, well, you, the, you know, it's only 20,000 people. Sure. You know, oh, gosh. And, and, and because you're from Western Japan, you cannot care about Eastern Japan. Now, Imamura has been replaced by a person from the region, from mm-hmm. the Tohoku himself. Uh, and the new minister is, is therefore okay. Well, one aspect of the story that we should immediately uh, get onto is how, first, how quickly that phrase was passed around on Twitter and other social media, and how quickly the public turned it over. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and it, it was, again, within the matter of hours, this a phrase, it's good that it was the Tohoku, started out as everyone being livid that he had put down the Tohoku. And then someone clicked it on and put it on a baseball win by the Rock Ten Eagles, who are from the Tohoku, and as a joke, put on hashtag, it's good that it was the Tohoku. And everybody started sharing it and started sharing images of the Tohoku region, tourist spots, places with sakura blooming, mm-hmm. all kinds of beauty pictures with that phrase quoted, which shows that Japanese are very quick right. on, in sarcasm and in humor, which is not something that people generally sure. associate That's right. with the national psyche. but. Mm-hmm. The, the, that's the way it works, and that 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 it was. I think that the time frame was from the seven o'clock news. It was all negative to the nine o'clock news. All these positive was, images came out. The, the the news cycle that we're dealing with is much faster. But the the ability of people to take the phrases of politics and turn them to their own right. uh, purposes was was another spectacular aspect of this. One other layer of this story, Michael, I'd like to get into just a bit is the uh, Koike. Um, power play on the Tokyo Metropolitan Government elections that are coming up. They haven't announced the candidates yet. They're going to, they're going to announce their slate. The LDP is going to announce their slate. But I think also the reason why the prime minister acted so quickly, I mean, can you imagine he's being briefed in the car on the way to make his speech and they make a decision like that to um, distance themselves from Imamura's comments. I mean, that's, that's so rapid and they must have been afraid of something. Well, there certainly shows there that there is a heightened awareness of messaging mm-hmm. within. Now, I don't know who's behind it. I don't know who's particularly within the Kante is especially sensitive to it or feels that it's important. But certainly, always framing has been important for right. the LDP. And it's been very rarely, and maybe it's Suga, because the only time that there's been a real breakdown between what the... Uh, the prime minister wanted to do and what was best for the government was that one time that Abe went to Yasukuni Shrine. And at that point, the only Mr. Abe said to Suga, I'm going to go. 
you figure out the explanation. And so we couldn't think of it, the way to make to to to, to sugarcoat that uh, in the time frame that he was given. The the uh, most of the time, Mr. Abe is on board. Mr. Suga is somehow watching over everything, and then there there must be media. Uh, real media surveillance that's going on, both yeah. at, at the Kante and also within the LDP. They've been studying up, haven't they? Yeah, and, and, and they have, do have a quick reaction force. Mm -hmm. And that, again, gives them, yet again, another advantage over the DP and other opposition forces who are largely reactive. Let's talk about the Bank of Japan and their messaging. Well, the thing is, is that Mr. Abe, in his economic Abenomics. Policies, yes. We, we, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was the last? Is there an echo? <laughs> <laughs> well, do you hear crickets? Uh, it's been a long time since he's been talking about that. Maybe right. on the next trip that he takes overseas, he'll start up again. Uh, but there have been developments in that. The final two deficit hawks on the board of governors of the the Bank of Japan are on their way out, and they're going to be replaced by what you could call friends of Abe, you know, mm -hmm. or friends of Abenomics, in that they are going to be very much uh, BOJ balance sheet expanders rather than having dissension within the Board of Governors. There's just going to be a yes man mm -hmm. chorus or whatever you want to call it that says, fabulous, 80 trillion yen, Fabulous. Economy is picking up. Yes. Oh, and we the, are in expansion mode. And that's and one of the aspects of that, you're right about the messaging, is this decision by the BOJ or someone who has influence over the BOJ to finally change after nine years the the guidance on the economy saying that it is in expansion. Mm -hmm. Now that may be a, in fact a statistically uh, valid way of categorizing it. But it indeed has been nine years since the BOJ felt that this was a, a, the correct An appropriate way, way to describe, describe it. it. Right. And there are all kinds of fallouts from that. One of them is the expectation of higher wages, the expectation of an even tighter labor market than we've got right. already now, and it's tight as a drum head right, drum's head right now, uh, with, with very, very, hot, very, very low levels, and in, in fact, you could almost say negative levels in such things as truck drivers, or even caregivers, that there are five positions open mm -hmm. and only one applicant for it. Uh, a vastly different situation that exists in most economic systems in the, in the, the uh, advanced industrialized countries, where we have large amounts of unemployment. Right. Here, it's really, really getting tight. And we had, just recently, Yamato, Kuro Neko Yamato, the, the, uh, the delivery service, raising its rates for the first time in decades. and reducing the hours that they're willing to work. Yeah. We're, we, it's either way that you can cut back. You can either reduce the number of hours that workers work or you can raise their wages, but in some way you have to meet the needs of the, of the, of the customers and match it with the labor market. Right, have you noticed a, an increasing reference to womenomics recently? It's, it's there, it's and it's certainly, but it's certainly there in the budget description for this year. Whether that's gonna carry on into mm -hmm. next year is another question because let's face it, the dip that used to exist that was really deep for married women after they're having their first child, getting out of the labor force, that thing is getting shallower and shallower and shallower. Mm -hmm. And the number of people who are staying in their jobs is, is staying very high. The number of persons who are past retirement age who are staying in the labor market is very high. Uh, the 
overall level of employment of women here in Japan is higher than it is in the United States, and it's heading towards basically Scandinavian numbers. Right. There's not a lot of slack left. No, there's not. And if indeed the economy is growing, it's either robots or immigrants. Please stay tuned. We're going to cover these issues. We're going to continue to follow them and report them to you. Please stay tuned.